Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. God doesn't make mistakes. Did anybody know that? Did y'all know that God plans everything and that when we get stressed out and overwhelmed, God's up there and he doesn't laugh at us like to make fun, but I bet you he's up there going, if they would ever just trust me, I got them right where I want them. I'm going to need y'all to talk today, so if y'all aren't in the talk of the mood today, I'm going to be in the boomerang mood with my microphone, and I'm going to throw it at you. <laughs> but did y'all know that God is in the business of you, and he's in the business of making your destiny take place, but your destiny is only your desired de destination. It is not a guarantee. And so anytime someone talks about destiny, they're like, here goes that crazy pastor. He's going to talk about destiny. That is not a guarantee. That's the plan. But just because there's a plan for me doesn't mean I'm going to follow the plans. As a matter of fact, come on, men. Y'all better talk to me. Who reads directions? Raise your hand. Be honest. Dale's lying. Okay, Dale's talking about his wife. Jesus' name. I thought I was going to have to rebuke you, Dale, but now I'm on the same page as you. Because directions are optional. Are y'all with me? Be honest. Are y'all with me? When the Christmas presents have directions, I rebuke that in Jesus' name right now. But I mean, we can figure it out. And, and, and isn't that what life feels like? We know the plans he has for us, declared the Lord, praying the prophet, we're not hard. We love to quote the Bible. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes my steps. That's awesome and all, but I still think that my plans are better. So we're going to do this thing and I'll, I'll get the plan if I need it. And so the Bible becomes that thing that we open up whenever we need it. This is going to be good today. And not the thing that becomes what we look to every single moment of every single day. And then we wonder why we find ourselves empty. We wonder why we find ourselves wandering through the wilderness. And we wonder why we find ourselves, everybody say the word. Empty. Say it again. Empty. empty. We wonder why we find ourselves so empty, but yet we find God is just an option. We find God is someone who's my genie in, in the bottle that would be cool if he would do what I think he should do and all of this stuff. And if you're not this way, then I celebrate you, but I'm this way. I believe God and I have a great faith, but I still somehow compartmentalize my God into this thing that I want him to accomplish for me. And I feel myself being empty, which means that I'm, that I'm, dealing with a lack of emptiness and purpose, I have this feeling of emotional numbness or despair and it comes through rejection, abandonment, loneliness, envy, or bereavement. But I believe that all of these things are absolutely true, by the way, but I believe that it can even be simplified to this. As long as I'm not emotionally feeling it, then I'm emotionally empty. Like God has to become this genie that makes me feel good too. Are y'all with me? Like we've made the Holy Spirit this thing that's weird because people are weird and they claim that they have the Holy Spirit. I need someone to say amen about that. Weird. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit's not weird. And so, so because I always have to feel, it has to be like this weird thing that takes place, then if I don't feel, then I must not have him. 
And therefore, I feel empty, so i got to go find him. And it's like he's a gene. He's right there. He never leaves us or forsakes us. It's not just a maybe. It's an absolute. But because I've made God into this weird thing, because people are weird, and I saw somebody that was weird, and I said, he must be like that. He's not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then I have only, let me say it this way. I've decided that God is going to be exactly what I've put him in the box of my own mind, which means that if I don't feel, he must not be there. Today, your pastor does not feel, but he's there. And Paul said it this way. I think this is fascinating. Paul said, I think myself happy, so I am. Standing before a king facing the death penalty, King Agrippa, in Caesarea Maritime, which is on the sea in Israel, in a prison camp, He said, I think myself happy, so I am, O king. And we look and go, what are you talking about and which one are you smoking? Because I'll try some of that and at least that smoke will make me feel good. I don't want what you, what are you talking about? Are y'all with me? Is any more than 10 of you with me? If I don't feel it, then I'm done with it. And that's why we feel empty. We got to feel it. But there's something even deeper. And it's what I want to talk to you today. And it's really what I think is the epidemic of our country. I've talked to you about different stuff so far in this series. And I felt like the Lord told me to push it back to this week from last week because this is what I, similar to what I had planned. But anytime you get to talking about money in the church, because I'm just going to put the elephant in the room out there. I like putting the elephant in the room. Typically, I'm the elephant in the room. My nickname in college was Head and Lips. I own it, everybody. Come on. Y'all are allowed to laugh. I'm the one that called myself that. Did you know that that was allowed? If you make fun of you, it's cool to laugh. You call me Head and Lips. It's going to hurt my feelings, though. So I don't mind putting the elephant in the room, and here's the elephant in the room. Y'all will shout me down and scream with me if I talk about certain things that you don't struggle with. But as soon as you struggle with it, that's my cricket that was a better cricket than y'all laughed come on and it's because there's certain things that the pastor can't talk about politics can't talk about sex we do we talk about it and you can't talk about money because it's mine let me just offend you from the get go and then maybe we can just all be offended it ain't yours it's his But that is the great divide. And so, I'm going to hit from the very get-go the issue. This is the issue. The Bible says in Matthew 6, the Bible says in Matthew 6 that you should store up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. He says, moth and, and dust, this is Jesus talking, destroy all the things that we collect here. There are bar, excuse me, I was about to say barters, but bartering is good. Hoarders, not good. There are hoarders in this room. And his name rhymes with my name, Pangle. But his first name rhymes with Ken. And he is my father. (laughs) Where's Wade Roney? I don't know if Wade's in here. But Wade has the spirit of hoarding as well. Wade can clean out his house and still have another house full of stuff. That is what the moths and dust are destroying. My pops has a 12,000 square foot warehouse. It might be bigger than that. Full of stuff. It is Lowe's. But it slows. It's bad. Some of y'all got that. Y'all said, I heard y'all go, slows. <laughs> it was good. Y'all are allowed to laugh. It's incredible, y'all. There was one time my pops got so many doors, and he was like, we're going to use these. These are going to be great. And I was working for him. 
We still got doors. I stopped working for him in 2004. <laughs> 04 is not yesterday. But there's really nothing wrong with what he does because he's really smart in the way he does it. I just like to give him a hard time. But there's some of us that are consumed with more and stuff. And it's the stuff that moth and dust destroy. And he said, don't store those things up and let it be all-consuming. Store up treasures in heaven. And then he says, your eyes the window to your soul. And you tell on yourself even when you don't think that you do. And then he said this. Here's the whole point with it. Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Everybody say two masters. No one can serve two because you either love the one or hate the other. You're devoted to the one or you despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. But the actual word is not money. It's mammon. And that's a fun word to say. So I'm going to need y'all to say it when we say mammon. Mammon, we be jamming. When you say mammon, you feel Jamaican. And then I feel like I'm on vacation and I feel good. And if y'all don't, then that's y'all's bad because I like mammon, we be jamming. Mammon. So there's two things that I want to show you in this verse. The first one is serve. And it's a fascinating word because it actually means to be a slave fully devoted to one thing. When we see serve, we think, I serve on Sundays. I'm a good person. Look what I did. I served as a waitress. I ser- that is not what this means. This means that all of my devotion is now locked in with one master above me. And here's the tension that immediately comes in the room is you think, well, I don't have a master. I might have a master's degree, but I do not have a master above me. And here's the funny thing is people that think that they don't are the ones that are locked in the most. You're the ones that are controlled the most probably by this. But everybody, whether you like to believe me or not, you're allowed to be wrong for a couple minutes until I show you you're wrong. But everybody's got a master and everybody's called something Lord even if you haven't said you're my Lord. Because most of us go, I don't have idols. But we do. The epidemic in this country is when we go to other countries and we start seeing third world countries, we, our hearts are broken. And the reason they do those infomercials with, if you'll just give, and they do the music, if you'll just give $12 a month, you can pay the food for these children. And I think we should do that. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not making light of that. But the reason we feel so heartbroken is we want them to have what we have, not them to have what we have. Are y'all with me? We don't care about their spirituality. We want them to have water. I want them to have water too. I wish that the church would dig a well for every community in the world. I wish the church would do that. But I wish that the living water would get to every community in the world before that kind of water got to every community in the world. I'm preaching better than y'all are talking. I don't want a boomerang. Come on. And then he says this, you can't serve God in mammon because it's really not money. The word mammon is fascinating because it means possessions, but it actually implies the God of, or probably more accurately speaking, the spirit of mammon. And so now if y'all aren't four pointers or if you've been here a few times, y'all are thinking this dude is about to get ghostbusters on my tail and get crazy and I'm uncomfortable. But don't be uncomfortable because the Bible says that your battles are not flesh and blood, but principalities and darkness, meaning spiritual or spirit. And if you're a millennial in the room, y'all love to watch the stupid scary movies and get all hocus pocus and stuff. I'm letting y'all in today. You're welcome. Right? It says that our problem, not being flesh and blood, our problem is not money. Listen, if anybody in here leaves and you think that I said it's bad to have greenbacks, not bad to have greenbacks, that's good. 
If you try to pay your bills and you look at them and say, well, my pastor said God and mammon and I chose God. So I'm telling you, I'm paying my money through God. They're going to tell you, you, here's your eviction notice. Here's the deuces. Right? Well, my pastor said, if I believe it, <laughs> your pastor ain't said that. You need to pay for it. Right? But mammon is an absolute controller of, I believe, more people than anything else in our country. Because the moment that we step off the plane in the third world country, when we immediately start praying for those people I wish they had, that's mammon controlling you, not the Holy Spirit controlling you. If I ache for you because you don't have as much as me, I ache for the wrong reasons. It has to be the Lord first or my heart is not with the Lord first. And for most of us, we have big hearts to help, which is a kingdom mindset, which is wonderful, which is why Hollywood goes so heavy trying to help people, but they miss the point that the king is the most important thing about the kingdom, not doing nice things. And so to make myself feel better, I start doing stuff, but I find myself wanting more, and I find myself controlled by this spirit. Because when Jesus was saying this, he was actually referring to, if you, if you know geography, Israel is on the coast of the Mediterranean and right beside it is Syria and Lebanon and Egypt's right here, right around the corner. And what he's actually saying right here is to the spirit of a God in Syria who they worshiped, which was the God of, of, of stuff, of possessions. And they felt like if they sacrificed to this God, that he would give them more stuff. And I feel like, my goodness, I'm about to have a little preach in me. I feel like if we could actually be honest with ourselves, we would say that we love to sacrifice to the God who we believe provides us stuff so maybe he'll give us more stuff, which is no different than if we were worshiping the God of mammon. Because our God is not in it to provide you stuff. Our God is in it to, to make his name great. And we think that it's about us and we consume ourselves with stresses that are all about our stuff. And we say, I would never be controlled by mammon. And we lie to ourselves every day of our lives because it's all about that. And this is how you know if you're controlled by this. I put the three G's of mammon. One is gorging, stuffing, just, just filling, 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 filling. I'm not talking about food, but it's a, but it's a possession like gluttonous where you can never have enough. And there's an endless supply, an endless appetite, excuse me, that you can never get enough stuff. And another one, I put grasp, and it's because with your hand, you're closed-fisted. You're tight. Your knuckles are white because everybody sees how tight-fisted you are. There's no blood flow going to the end of your hands because you so won't let go of what you have. Pastor, how do I know if I have the grasp in me? If you get something and you immediately think, can't nobody touch this. Can't touch this. If you immediately think, <laughs> sorry, I had to. Come on. So if you immediately... That was bad. The young people are thinking, who is MC Hammer? So it, immediately, if you think you can't have this, then you've grasped and you don't serve with an open hand. You serve with a closed fist. God provides so that we can be open-handed. Hey, if, if the disciples would have been closed-fisted with what Jesus did and showed them, then he would have fed the disciples when he fed the 5,000 because he broke the bread and said, now you pass it out. 
He took five loaves and two fish and gave it to the disciples and said, put them in groups of 50. There may have been up to 20,000 people. If you're one of the disciples in that moment, you're going, I could just eat because Jesus acting crazy. Huh? I could eat like the head of this fish because it's kind of weird. When he broke the fish in half, I got the eyes. You know what I'm talking about? And it's weird right now. And all I got to do is just have my little bit and then it'd be okay. Or I can choose to, when it hits my hands, I let it go. And what they started with was a little fish and a little bread. And what they ended with was each of them got a basket, is what the Bible says. And they fed up to 20,000 people. Because we can never operate with an open, or excuse me, with a closed fist and grasp. We have to operate open-handed. You know that you're controlled by mammon if you operate like this. Your stuff is not bad. Your money is neutral. Money is only controlled by the spirit in which it's controlled by, and that is inside of you. Either the Holy Spirit of God or this Jamaican spirit called mammon, right? It's only decided by what hit when it hits my hand. But if I'm grasping, I can fool myself and smile and look pretty at church. I don't look pretty at church, but y'all just go with it. I can make myself try to look good at church and seem the part, but in reality, I am in a jail cell because I'm white-knuckled. You can't have my stuff. And the last one is I grab, and I always am grabby for more. To summarize this, this is what it's like. When someone gets blessed around you, do you celebrate for them? And I'm not talking publicly because everybody does it. Well, God bless you. We're so happy for you. I can't stand them cats. I can't believe they got that. Y'all are allowed to laugh now. This is not just me. I'm admitting sin. They didn't deserve that. They ain't done nothing for the Lord. Why is it quiet? Y'all can laugh. Braden's with me. Is it quiet because we know it's us? Y'all talk to me. We feel this animosity toward people that get stuff. And we immediately become judgmental in our hearts. And we immediately think this is what they've done or haven't done. We have no idea what their lives are like. We love to assume that we know people. And it's because in reality, and this is hilarious about how crazy the human brain is. Every one of us deal with this psychosis called our minds. We immediately think out, well, that person shouldn't be building a house that big. That's above their means. God should be blessing me more. What if they're about to put their parents who are sick in the house and, you're, and you're, trying to, you're trying to curse them and you have no idea what they're doing? It ain't even your business. I don't care if you build a 20 million. That'd be big. Square foot house. It ain't my business. Someone say, it ain't my business. Don't say business. Say business. It ain't my business if you do it. But I automatically want to make it my business what you're trying to do because I've got to keep up with the Joneses because that is what evil darkness will do to you. And we look around and go, what is wrong with me? Why am I angry? It's because the Holy Spirit is not filling me and other things are filling me. And it feels so backwards. If this doesn't feel backwards to you, then you're just far advanced in your life than I am. Because when I get something, I want to celebrate it and then I want to keep it. Now, it is wise to save your money. If you believe that I'm telling you that you shouldn't save any money, I believe that's the second thing you should do after you give. Give, save, live on the rest. It's very simple. That's not even what this message is about. I believe you should save. I believe you should have a 401k. I believe you should have a plan. I believe you should have life insurance. You should be wise. But me, myself, and I can't be the first thing that I think about when my possessions are in mind. If I never am willing to give my stuff away, it's because I believe that it's all about me. 
and I'm controlled by something that is far bigger than just I'm a bad person, I have this thing over me. And we don't like to talk because it scares people to talk about spirit. But it really is about that. And this is how Paul described it to, his, to the guy that he was pouring his life into. Paul said it in 1 Timothy 6 like this, verse 6. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can't take anything out of it. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. The word godliness here does not mean I act good. It means that the Holy Spirit is in control of my life and the result of that is my behavior changes. The result, listen carefully, the result of him in me changes my behavior. My behavior does not define whether or not I am godly. He defines whether or not I am godly. I cannot be righteous on my own, meaning right standing. He defines whether or not I am. Many of us set out and say, bad them, good me. No, no. Has the Lord changed your heart? Plain and simple. And then contentment. This is fascinating. They go together, and I'm giving you the definition in the original language. It means the response of a filled life from his spirit. With a lot, with a little, with all these things is what the next verse says. I've learned with both. But, but that is the definition and the, and the description of, of what it means to be, to be content. That, that it doesn't matter what I have, I can still say it is well with my soul. No matter what I've gone through, no matter what I've been through, no matter how good this morning was, no matter if my wife and I were about to pull each other's hair out, and if anybody don't say amen in here, y'all are lying, because it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? I saw some of y'all smiling. If I say amen, my wife's going to put me in the doghouse, but I know what I'm about to say. Because life is hard, and we don't always feel like shouting for joy, Jesus did it, this is amazing. We don't always feel like that. Sometimes we feel like just spitting and cussing. Because my good things don't make me godly. He makes me godly. And my contentment only comes through the change that he does in my life. Because I come up with this reality in my own heart that I can't take it with me. So trying to gain more stuff is foolishness. And it's smart to take care of your kids. I, don't get me wrong. If you have millions of dollars in the bank, you're not sinning. If you're consumed with your million dollars in the bank, you're sinning. It only becomes what you're consumed with, what, what controls you. If the only thing that you think about is if I could just get this, you are overwhelmed with this spirit. And it controls our lives. Listen, if, if you ever, if, if I believe that God wants to do something crazy. Man, I've told y'all if y'all come to this church, that the, the, the mandate on my life, I believe, is to change the culture and see God do such great things through our vision and mission. I believe that it's, that it's much bigger than me. It's going to take a lot of people and a lot of money. It can be silent in here. I'm telling you, I don't apologize. It's going to take some money to accomplish his mission. But I'm not consumed with his money because my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills is what the Bible says. I don't have to bow down before a man. I can bow down before my king. He will provide it for me and he'll do it through people. But if I sell out, listen, the vision of this church because someone offers me a million dollars if I'll do that, I'm consumed with mammon, not the Holy Spirit. I don't care how much money you got. If you want to change his plan, you can take your money and you can leave. I'm not going to say anything mean. You can leave with your money because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about his plan and it, it, it supersedes us by a ton. Because I'm going to die one day and Lord willing, this plan is going to keep going with our children and our children's children. 
And we're going to see the whole culture of the earth change. I believe that. The greatest stopper of this movement is the spirit of mammon, I believe. Because the church will amen till they're blue in the face about a vision and a mission. And they won't fund it because they won't let it go. Because it's all about them. It's okay to be silent right there. I'll amen myself. Preach, pastor. Verse 8. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. And this is where I think we find a problem because then we say, if I have Ruth Chris Steakhouse and Louis Vuitton, because I need my pockets, why is it quiet? If I have my J's, blah, blah, blah. That's Jordans, everybody. Don't get nervous. If I have my Jordans and I get some more Jordans, then I can be content. That's not what it says. It didn't say name brand. Laura Lynn's fine. I don't know what Laura Lynn is. Go to Ingalls. <laughs> well, Pastor, I'm not sure if I want ramen noodles. How many of y'all can be honest with me up in this mug and say you ate oodles and noodles back in the day and it was your meal of choice? Like not because you liked it, but because you had to. It was a day of the week meal. Shout hallelujah. We had this meal plan when we were young. We got married when we were 20. I rebuke that and everybody else in Jesus' name. But we got married young, 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 too young. And that was one of our meals of the week. That cost like, I think at the time it was a dime. Huh? Are y'all with me? And some hot water. And if you put the hot water just right in college, y'all could get it hot enough to soften them noodles up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, we can't. Yeah, the microwave works. Oof, it gets a little ghetto in there. But And we put a little piece of cheese in there because it makes it feel like spaghetti. Couldn't afford no spaghetti. But how many of y'all know that I was content back then? I was having fun. We didn't know what we didn't have. I had to bungee cord my door shut, everybody, and my Lumina van that started itself. Say amen in the back. We're on vacation. That thing's starting itself in the back. Next thing you know, it's going to drive itself, and it's going to be at a different beach. We were scared to death. But we found ways to be content. And this is what I find so fascinating is the more stuff we've gotten, the more I found a, a way to be stressed about my stuff. How, how ridiculous. And then we think in this nonsense world that I live in and I've created for myself, if I just had a little bit more, and that's where when your kids are watching stinking commercials at Christmas time, you can't pay attention to the show because this is what you hear from your kids. Y'all like, I'm offended you said stinking. You ain't going to be in a minute. Daddy, I want that. Daddy, I want that. Daddy, I want that. I said, is my name Daddy? I want that. You ain't getting it. Because Santa Claus don't pay for it. I do. Y'all know y'all feel the same way. Don't y'all get proud on me. Y'all better say amen. I get bitter at Christmas, y'all. I look around and go, that daggum Santa Claus getting all the credit for this crap. Pay my hard-earned money for this. Y'all know y'all feel this. Y'all better say amen with me, dadgummit. Santa Claus is coming to town. I'll give you a kick in the pants. <laughs> Y'all know if you change the letters to Santa, he wears the red suit and it spells Satan. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. All right, I'm just kidding, so don't be offended if y'all love Santa Claus, gracious. 
I'm not coming back to that church because he talked bad about Santa Claus. And <clears throat> but we've decided in our hearts that we have to have certain things and certain name brands. And there's nothing wrong with your name brand. I don't feel bad, nor am I giving back my J's because it's got the anointing in it. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> So I don't feel bad about it, and I don't feel bad when I get a gift. I feel bad if it consumes me. I feel bad if you wore a size 14, which I'm looking around, I don't see many 14s. Thank you, Lord. But I feel bad that if it consumes me to the point that I wouldn't let Keegan borrow a pair of my shoes because he wears the same size as me. Who am I? Like, what, who do I think I am? You might get them dirty. Like, for real, let's break this down. A $100 pair of shoes. You're so worried about the daggum things getting dirty that you'll break a friendship over that. What spirit do you think is controlling me? Because I think it's the spirit of mammon. Because the ones desired to be rich fall in this temptation. And if y'all remember last week, this is the picture of the same exact thing where desire goes into this decision that I make in my mind and it, and it establishes itself going from, from, from this, this emotion to this to this to my thoughts, to my will, and I determine in my heart, and then I lead myself to destruction. I, it says that I plunge people into ruin and destruction because temptation becomes a snare. But remember last week, the Bible says that I fall into the temptation of my own desires. Everybody says the devil made me do it. I don't ever want to say the devil made me do it. He may whisper in our ears, and he's real. But I always go after what I go after. And I'm always falling victim under my own desires because I have not given him lordship. I've decided to try to share the will with Jesus. Look, Jesus, you can have part of it, but my desires are going to have the other part. You, that can't happen. I've got to be in my own body, but he's got to be in control. So there's got to be, I heard one of my friends say it this way on Friday as she was preaching. She said, I had to learn to co-operate with Jesus. And that's such a good word, y'all. To cooperate this life, to let him have control and I still have this body. God doesn't want to take over your body. He wants to steer you to your desired destination, your destiny, your promise, your preferred purpose, the better plan for your life. But he allows you to have free will, so you choose. And many of us love to shout amen, but find ourselves being controlled by stuff. And we find ourselves in destruction because he says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through its cravings that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs, with many things, with many hardships. And it's like if you could picture a thing with a thousand swords on it and someone fell into it, which is a gruesome picture. But, but spiritually speaking, it's much like what we find ourselves in. Because money ain't bad, money's good. Stuff ain't bad. Stuff's good. But when it controls us, it ends us. And I just want you to know this, that there's a pain in surrender because you feel the tension of laying it down and saying, Jesus, you're all I need. But the pain of surrender is far less than the pain of more. The, the pain of more is far greater Wanting more, always more. The pain of mammon, let me say it this way, is far greater than the pain of surrendering your life completely and saying, you're my Lord, not that stuff. So if you want your empty to end, give it to God, and he'll end your empty. And so this is how I want to end today. I want to end today by telling you a quick story and then going through three verses. 
And I'm not really going to preach down these three verses. I'm just going to cover them to show you how all of this is so true. This week was a really busy week in my life. I haven't answered tons of emails and messages and <clears throat> because we're going, I mean, burning from both ends is an understatement for this week. Monday and Tuesday were get ready days because Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we had a conference that we went to and it, even earlier in the week, it took some time because um, I played a little part in the conference and um, we were trying to get everything ready, make sure, and there's, you know, y'all can see this is a, this thing is a, is a machine that moves. It's not just plug in three things and it goes. So we always try to be excellent and make sure what's going on. And my mind goes 100 miles an hour as a leader trying to think, trying to do, trying to plan a sermon, trying to do all this stuff, plug it in, whatever. And <clears throat> then you got kids and you got, and y'all understand what life is like because y'all got lives. Wednesday night, this thing started, and so I'm trying to make sure everything's together. I'm here. I'm leaving from here. Everything's good. And I get a text from my dad as I'm finishing up the week of work this way so I can go do this thing. And I get a text, and my dad's never texted me like this before. He just said, call me 911. Maybe y'all are like really calm people that would just think everything's good. I did not think that at that moment. I thought, oh, crap. Is that okay to say? I thought, oh, crap. What's happened? I didn't know if it was my grandmother. I didn't know if it was someone else. I just thought, oh, my gosh, I don't really want to call, but I'm calling. I mean, I literally waited three seconds to call. <clears throat> and there was a guy that became like a big brother. I, I called him uncle. I mean, he was family. He lived behind my dad's shop in the house that dad built back there in so he was kind of the watch over of his company and the shop, and he was always, always there. I always saw him for the last five years. And then if you've ever attended this church, Bray, can you throw it up there on the screen right now? If you've ever attended the church, you saw Mike because he always passed him out, always passed out the worship guys that you have right now, always. I mean, like, for, we, we, tr we can't remember how many services he missed in five years, but we think it might be five. That's crazy because it's a whole lot less than I have did y'all know it's so easy to take life for granted James chapter 4 verse 14 says that our lives are like a vapor a mist it's here and then it's gone like a puff and we get consumed with things that are happening today someone talked bad about me things took place and we get consumed with life we get consumed with mammon because we think we need more and then you look up one day and you got old you look up one day and you feel like a high school person still and you find gray in your hair and you realize that you'd be graduating the second time. Actually, I think I'm older than that. 19, go, gracious. And you also take for granted people. Now, every time I saw him, I hugged him. Every, every time, every time, no exception. I can never remember seeing him and not hugging him and telling him I love him, even though he was a Clemson fan. Because he let me know about Clemson. I don't, I don't appreciate that amen, whoever that was. <laughs> and he was a Tar Heel fan. And this is like the perfect storm for me because I like Duke and Carolina. The other Carolina. South. Not your North Carolina people. So he gave me a hard time about that. He won the national championship in both things. He was in his fandom this year, so he gave me down the road about this. 
And it really was a person that was like, the, other than Renee, dad's wife, I think he was probably the second closest person in his life at the time. I, I, I would argue in the top five for sure. And he's healthy and he's good. I saw him Friday of last week and he was, he told me he was feeling bad. And I could tell in his face, I'm, I don't remember him sick once. I don't one time remember him sick. So it's weird and you just kind of, but you know, hope you feel better. You know, passive and Sunday he's not at church. Unusual. I, like I said, I can never remember a time. You just start going through life. Monday got so much going on, got so much going on, got so much going on. And Wednesday I get a text message, 911. And dad says, I just walked into the, to the house behind us, Mike's house. And I found Mike face down, passed away. Did y'all know that I had so much on my mind? Like, I'm telling you so much on my mind. I can't begin to describe how much I had on my mind in that moment before that call. I mean, like, flooded with stuff, making sure I was getting everything done, making sure I had my lines memorized for the next night, making sure all of these things and all of that washed away. And I was, and I was just consumed with such loss, such, such despair. Y'all know the feeling. I, I don't have to describe the feeling of bereavement to you. I felt like I was going to throw up. This is my least favorite part of being a pastor, but I feel more than just pastor to Mike. I, he was my family, and I, I, just, I just sat there, and I thought to myself, every one of y'all have felt this feeling. Where your life is going good, your life is going good, and then a phone call, a text message, one thing changes everything. For some of y'all, y'all suffered through a long-term sickness. For some of y'all, it was an immediate thing. For some of y'all, it was a loss of a spouse. For some of y'all, it was a brokenness, a separation in your home. For some of y'all, it was abandonment as a child. For some of y'all, it was all sorts of things. But we all feel this immediate brokenness. And, and we wonder, how did I get so consumed with the wrong things that I failed to remember the person that every time he saw someone, I've never met someone before he passed that didn't say, that's the nicest man I've ever met. But I wonder how many people told him that. Funerals are amazing because we honor people. I preached his funeral yesterday and I just was thinking to myself, I, I gushed over Mike. Dad gushed over Mike when he was talking, but we forget him in the process because we forget people because what the spirit of mammon will do was, will cause you to use people to get stuff, not use stuff to, to reach people. So I forget people and treat them like the batteries and plug in the batteries that I don't need that don't matter. Those double A's don't matter. They're going to rot. That toy doesn't matter. It's going to go away. But that person's life matters. The person that I neglected matters. The person that I held a grudge against matters. And when I begin to look at people and consider them just stuff and I begin to look at stuff and consider it the most important thing, I neglect the most important thing and that's Jesus. And I just go through this motion of craziness in my life and I find myself going, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does this happen? I want to read you these verses in Mark chapter 8 and then finish with Mike. You can leave that up, Bray. Don't worry about this. They can read it right here. Jesus said in calling the crowd to him, he said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he's got to deny himself and take up his cross. We love to water down Christianity because Christianity, and especially churches like ours, we're considered a, quote, community church. We're supposed to be easygoing, easy living, make it easy for them. you got to make them want to come back. I'm telling you, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm tired of that easy crap, y'all, because I'm tired of seeing people's, <clears throat> I'm tired of seeing people's lives not change. 
So I'm telling you, I rebuke the spirit of mammon with the authority that God's given me as his messenger. I rebuke it over your life, over your family's life. And I'm telling you this, he got, listen, he got up on that cross to take away your sin and shame. But listen, he got off of the cross and went in a tomb and rose again. But this is what he told you. Salvation is free. Salvation is like giving a gift and receiving the gift. But then following means that I pick up the cross that he got off of and I say, I am no longer the boss. You're the boss. Get up, Lord. Do your thing. Use this crazy body, whatever I look like, whatever I wish I was, and all of these things that I wish I was. Use me. If you're going to use anybody, use me. I don't care about their talent. I don't care about their gifts. Use me. I'll do whatever you say do. If you say to go to Africa today, I'm getting in the plane. I don't know where we'll pay. I don't know what we'll do, but I'll go. We want to make Christianity God coming around us and doing it all for us. You just live your life and God will be there. No, he already did it. When he said it's finished, he finished it. Now he's waiting on you to say, now do it through me. It's not about Mark. It's about him. But I make it about my stuff because I forget him and then I forget people and stuff becomes on the throne of my life. He said, take it up. Deny yourself. This is what I thought about with deny, y'all. <clears throat> when I coached basketball, I'm going to get loud again, so y'all just bear with me. When I coached basketball for nine years, I was the enthusiastic one. I know that surprises y'all, right? And we preached, taught intensity. Where's Brian? We taught intensity. The songbird, little Brian that sings, he, he was a two-time state champion for us. Kiss the rings, blow. He was a two-time state champion for us, and he knows this. Night Joker's the fastest white person that's ever lived on this planet. So we would get him up in people. This is what we told him. When that ball's dead, meaning someone picks their dribble up, dribble, 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 they pick it up. When that ball's dead, you better get up in them so much. And we would scream, deny, deny, which meant I want you on them because I want to know what kind of gum they're chewing or how bad their breath is. I want your nose in their chest, and I want you to deny. Not always, but when that ball gets picked up, I need you up in them. And I would yell, dead, 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 dead. And people would go, that dude's going to have an aneurysm. He's nuts. <laughs> and I would say, yeah, but we want to deny that doggone ball and get it. That's my ball. And we beat the brakes off of people, and they hated us. Because we didn't think deny meant, I hope you don't get it. We thought deny meant, other than doing bad things to human beings that would get us to go to jail, we're going to do it to get that doggone ball. We think deny ourselves is not like that. We think of deny ourselves as the passive-aggressive type. I don't want to be this anymore. I'm not, I'm not this anymore because I'm the righteousness of God. I deny my old self from having control of this because I'm the righteousness of God. No longer is it me, but it's Christ in me that has control of my life. Now, he who has done greater things than I can even imagine according to his riches in Christ, do it again, God. Show me what you want to do, God. Let's do this thing, God. But I don't think of that as my life. I just wake up and go, I don't feel like it today. So maybe my stuff will make me feel better and I'm empty inside and I don't understand why. Am I talking to anybody in the room? Because it says whoever would lose his life would gain it, but he starts with whoever would save it. I don't want to deny. I want to make sure that I can have this and have this and just live my double life. No. Put it down and pick him up. Put it down and pick him up. 
But he said, if, if you'll do that, you will save it. He's ready and willing to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can even think about. But it can't be your way. It can't be your stuff. It can't be all about you. It's got to be his thing. Watch this. This is the verse. This is the verse. If, if he could talk to us right now, I'm not doing this to make you emotional. I'm doing this because I believe God told me to. If he could tell us one thing, I think he would say, I didn't have much because he didn't. I was looking through my stuff in my office, y'all. I just had tears running down my face first thing this morning because I found a Bluetooth phone thing that he bought me. I'm not making this up, I swear. It's right in my office right now. A smart watch. At my house, I have two hoodies, two Gamecock hoodies that he bought me. And I'm not going to tell you what he made because that would be inappropriate for dad and for everybody and it's not anybody's business. But, but he gave me all that stuff. And Austin told me this morning in the office with tears in his eyes, do you know I can't ever remember a time? This challenges me. A man with not much that his wife passed away five years ago that he, that he was kind of lonely. I don't ever remember a time him being here that he didn't tithe. And I believe it was to the dollar that he gave his first fruits to the Lord. And if I told you the amount, it wouldn't blow you away. But I told him when he told me, I never knew that. And I told him when he started running them down, that's an exact tithe. He didn't have much, but he believed that he could give his first to God. And then he gave up to others. That's so weird. Why would he be so nice? And you know what I realized in that moment that I was thinking that, and I realized it yesterday as well? Because right now, he ain't worried about any of that stuff. Because you can't take anything with you. And he's sitting with the father today. He's up there watching me be emotional, and he's going, you crazy. Just like he would have said to me, standing out there, giving me a hard time. Just have fun. Love on people. Forget all that stuff. Because what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? I want to end his story, and I'm done with today's message. I want to end his story with what I believe happened and how I think it affects you. Friday when we saw him and dad talked to him, of course, and all that stuff was taking place as a family member of our church. We're wearing these today for him. As he said he was sick and he never gets sick. And, you know, passively you think, go make sure you take care of yourself, go to the doctor, but you just leave it alone, right? And men, y'all know this about us. You don't even have to talk to me right now. Men don't go to the doctor. Like if I, I will go to anything but the dentist and the doctor. Come on, somebody. There's more of y'all than just me. But it's so stubborn and so foolish. We just, if we're sick, go to the dang doctor. And what I think was really happening in Mike's life was when he was, quote, feeling sick, he was having a heart attack. And he laid down like we do and said, if I just lay down and, and take a little medicine, I'll start feeling better. How many of y'all know that if you're having a heart attack, you can't lay down and start feeling better? You know, we would say amen to that, but a lot of us sit in our chairs right now and our, and our physical hearts are fine. They're beating. You have a 120 over 80 blood pressure. Your, your pulse is around that 70 mark. You feel good, but your spiritual heart is so sick. And what you think to yourself as you sit and listen to this message is, I may be spiritually sick and I may have my heart, the inner man, the inner woman may be sick, but I'm all right. And, and I'm here to declare over your life you're not all right, but you can be. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. You can be healed. You can end your empty. You can have your life completely transformed and changed. But if you keep letting pride 
and fear and mammon control your life, then you will leave here and think, maybe you'll think that was good, maybe you'll think that was bad, but I promise you, you'll leave empty. And the end of your empty will not come until he has all of you, until he can radically change your life. Because what good does it do a man if he can profit and gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul because you have a sick heart and you won't let someone come to you? Proverbs chapter 13 verses, verse 12 says that a sick heart is the result of hopelessness. Hopelessness leads to sickness of the heart. And many of us are hopeless because there's only one person that offers us hope, and that's Christ Jesus. You can, you can put your hope in a team. You can put your hope in your money. You can put your hope anywhere you want. But there is only one that we hope in, and he is, he is good enough to back it up, and that's Jesus, who takes away your sin and replaces it with his righteousness. And I'm just here to tell you today that I know many of you struggle with many things and I struggle with you. And we will struggle with life and it will be hard sometimes and it will be doggone hard sometimes. But you can give up that junk and pick up his righteousness. But you've got to decide, I will no longer try to operate and bring God along. I will cooperate with him for the rest of my life and let him be at the center. I will no longer try to be the boss. I want him at the saddle. I want him at the seat. I want him in control, and I will walk with him. I will say, where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say, this is about you. I'm ready to do this thing, God. You cannot go through the motions and get this thing right. It is hard. But as soon as I give up my own right and say, let's go, my end of empty comes. And I believe the Bible calls him the great physician describes him like that, the great physician. That's an open heart surgery that never gets wrong. He never, he never does that backwards or wrong because he always brings you back to accomplish his mission and to make his name great. And friend, I'm just telling you today, I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving in some of your hearts right now because you want him to end your empty and you want your heart not to be sick anymore. Don't make the mistake he made physically, spiritually. Because I celebrate with my friend Mike. I wish he was here because I'd hug him. And I'd tell him I still don't like Clemson. Come on, somebody. But I wouldn't want him to come back because he's home in heaven. You know what breaks my heart is some of you will have a healthy heart here and your spiritual heart will be sick and you won't be with me in heaven. And you won't be with me building a kingdom on the earth. And I want that to change. In an instant, in a moment, by declaring you're the Lord of my life. This is what Romans 10 says. If I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is who he says he is, he died and rose again and, and sets me free. I'm saved. So look at me. Who has a sick heart in the room? Because you know who you are. Do not let anything hold you back. There are many people under the sound of my voice that need this today. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Don't let anything keep you from hope. Don't be the next victim of junk that darkness brings. Walk into the light. Walk into his glorious light. He is the true light. And walk into it today and feel salvation come to you in your household.
Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I believe there's many people under the sound of my voice that need this right now. I'm not going to try to talk you into it. I'm not going to try to do a magic trick. I just need you to be honest in this room. Pastor, I feel like you're talking to me. My heart's beating out of my chest. My heart is sick and I'm hurting and I'm empty inside and I need a touch from our Savior. I need Jesus to radically change my life. I choose with all my heart to give my heart and life to him this moment, this instant. I choose to follow Jesus Christ. If that's you, just throw your hand up right where you are. Come on. Don't let anything keep you back. I believe there's people in this room that need this. Don't let anything hold you back. I need Jesus to change my life. I'm tired of my heart being sick and I want to be set free. Don't let, don't let someone looking beside you hold you back. Don't let the person that, that causes you fear hold you back. Be bold enough to say, that's me. You're talking to me. I don't care what you've been through or where you've been. He will come and rescue you. Is there anybody in the room bold enough to say, that's me? Come on. That's me. Praise the Lord. Everybody's saved, and I celebrate that with you. Now I ask you this question. This is a hard one, because what you're declaring right now is I'm saved, but I'm ready for my empty to end, and I want to do this thing his way, not my own. This isn't a like guilt trip, and this isn't I'm not giving enough, I'm not doing enough, because you can get caught up in that, and you can miss the point. I want Jesus to have all of me. I've wandered away. I'm his son, I'm his daughter, but I need to start new. I need to start fresh, and I feel empty inside, and I'm ready to start this thing new and fresh today. I'm going to ask you to do something bold, and if you're the only one in the room, then I celebrate with you. But Christian, who are, are, are you the one in this room that, that has let mammon or something else control you and you're tired of that? If you are, be bold enough to stand up to your feet right now in front of God and everybody. No one's looking, but just be bold enough. Thank you. Who else? Be bold enough to stand to your feet and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Stand up to your feet if that's you right now. Lord, I thank you for the boldness of people that have stood up. I thank you for the people that you're in control of their life right now. And I just pray and declare over their lives that no longer will we be slaves to fear because we're children of God. We're alive in you. So Lord, send the rain, send newness, send life, send hope because we want to make your name great, not our own. We're not our own. We were bought with a price. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name that you've ended our empty. And now we declare that you're awesome and you're worthy of praise. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Will y'all stand with us?